Amen. Well, good morning. Again, I'm glad you chose to worship with us today. Uh, today we are talking about the immutability of God. And uh, if that doesn't make sense to you right now, then uh, it will by the end, I pray. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Excited about today. Um, I think this is a passage that will hopefully be helpful to um, individuals. I also always love to start off a Sunday with a baptism. And then I am excited about pizza with the pastor. Um, you know, I get to eat pizza. It's, it's at least third or fourth on my list of foods. Uh, don't hit me with it at VBS. They did that with burritos when I, you all used it against me. That wasn't nice. But, um, but it, it'll be a good opportunity for me to meet with uh, people who uh, maybe you're pretty new here and uh, haven't got a chance to talk with me. I'd love to do that with you. Um, if you show up and the room is crowded and you just say, well, um, you know, I, I didn't get to go to that. Don't worry, we're going to do these every couple months, so you'll have an opportunity. And so uh, love for this one to be kind of reserved if uh, you've registered or if you've been here the last few weeks, because uh, we already have several registered. And so if you, uh, your first time here is the last few weeks, then uh, love to have you join us. That'd be uh, just wonderful to get to know you. All right, so James chapter 1, we've talked about some interesting things. Uh, really, the context of it is all trials, trials, tribulation, temptation. So in the first couple of verses, I'm going to look at James chapter 1, verse 2, and just to kind of get our minds back in context, he says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That may be too much for us to process in this second, but some highlights of that are you can have joy in trials, and as you lean into God in trials, you can develop endurance and maturity and completion in faith. And then verse 5, look at that with me, please. It says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. So in these trials, as I go to God and seek wisdom, I can ask him. Now the next verse warns us that we have to ask in faith, meaning we have to trust God. That means I trust you, God, whether, whether it works out for me or not, I trust you and I can gain wisdom. And then look at verse nine. It says, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation. And this verse nine, when he says humble circumstances, this is the first hint we get of the cultural context of the people of the book of James. What they're dealing with is humble circumstances, that many of them are in poverty. We had seen in verse 1 that they're dispersed, so they're spread out. They're not in their home of Israel. And so they're dealing with humble circumstances, and he says, boast in your exaltation. They'll be exalted in one of two ways. One, if they lean into God, then they'll grow in the faith, even here on earth, but then they have the ultimate exaltation to look forward to in heaven. Contrast that with the rich people here, who I do not believe were Christians. I think, as we'll see as we go through the book of James, that they had some corrupt rich people. So this book is not against people of wealth, but against the corruption that they were dealing with. And he warns them about the, the uh, finiteness of their wealth, that it is limited. It is not enduring, unlike God's kingdom. So then we got to verse 12. And it talks about blessed is the one who endures trials. And the very last part of that says you'll receive the crown of life. But then he makes a transition and he talks about temptation. So verse 13 and 14, we're going to pick up there today. Um, we're, going to, we're going to be reading through 16 through 18, but I want to get us back in context. So verse 13 says, no one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted 
by God. So he went from trial to temptation. And specifically, he's going to go to temptation where he mentions evil. So that's the next part. He says, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. Now that doesn't mean that God will never test your faith, but if you're lured toward evil, that is not because of God. That's what it says in verse 15. It's, or 14, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. So the drawing away, the enticement, the evil desire, that's what leads us towards something evil. In verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So this passage, verses 13 through 15, stands in contrast with what we're going to see today. So those trials, those temptations, especially towards sin, are things that are not of God. And now we're going to get to see about God. As we go into this today, talking about God's immutability, and that really means the study of uh, his immutability as you go through theology, things like that, that means God's nature doesn't change. It's the unchanging nature of God that he is, uh, as Daryl prayed earlier, the same yesterday, today, and forever, that God doesn't change. And I wonder if if you've ever thought about the fact that God doesn't change. And maybe sometimes you've thought about the fact that he doesn't change and it's frustrated you because there's been some things you'd like to do and you wish God had a different stance or some things that he's allowed to happen and you wished he didn't let that happen. Sometimes the immutability of God or the unchanging nature of God can be a source of frustration. But today we're going to see why it is so essentially good that God is unchanging. So first I want to ask you, have you had a lot of changes in your life? Have you had a lot of changes in your life? You ever go through those seasons where there's just a lot of things that are happening and changing and and you just feel like you don't know which way is north anymore. So many things have happened. Well, there's serious things, of course, that can cause that. Maybe we move. Uh, I did that just this year and and it, it changes your world. It changes your life. We've had different periods of time where uh, we knew that an upcoming move was coming. And, and there's always uh, the one evening when my wife and I realize it's coming and I just look over at her and say, can you believe we're going to be living there next month? Uh, we're in one state and I know by next month I'm going to be living in an, a different state. It's a weird feeling that the whole world that you've known is about to change, maybe not significantly, but the people that you're around are going to change. The people that you care for, love on, are going to change. Of course, another change that we experience, a, a serious one, is loss. When we lose someone in our life, the world is never the same. The world is constantly changing. And then sometimes there's less serious things. I remember the first time I lived by Scott Air Force Base, uh, outside the gate there, there was this teriyaki grill it had the best sweet teriyaki like chicken bowl that you have ever had in your life. And I'm so sorry to tell you that you cannot have it because it is closed down. So I had it. I actually had a friend who he, he went there 30 days in a row one time, at the end of which he told me he had to buy new pants because they was no longer fit. But it was delicious. And so I would eat there frequently. It it rivaled burritos in my, like, my dietary desires. It's like burritos, chicken bowl. It was, a, it was a pretty close tie. But so I moved away, and then I came back to living near Scott Air Force Base. And it's silly as it seems, it was one of the things I was looking forward to coming back to. And it was closed. Everything changes. <laughs> I remember, uh, if you think of technology, 
uh, one of the, when, when smartphones were first coming out, I have this internal struggle because I can be pretty tight with money at times, but I really like technology. And so smartphones started coming out and I resisted as long as I humanly could with playing with a new piece of technology. So we finally caved and we bought our first smartphone. And I just remember being blown away that I was driving down the road and I paid a bill. I wasn't, I should say that differently. I was driving down a road, and my wife sitting by me paid a bill. Boy, I should, there's probably statute of limitations, but still. And now, how silly is it to even mention that? That's an easy thing to do. Of course you can do that. You could have someone sitting uh, next to you in the car, and they could FaceTime someone. They could watch a video. They could do all sorts of things because technology is continually changing. Everything changes except God. Everything changes except God. He is immutable, and his immutability is significant for you. We don't realize it. I had someone message me when we post this on social media, and they said, I didn't even know what, I didn't even know that word existed. (laughs) And maybe you didn't either, but it is important to you. It is important to your walk of faith. So let's look at James chapter 1 and look at verse 16 with me, please. He begins by saying, don't be deceived, my brothers, my dear brothers and sisters. So this is a transitional verse as we look at verses 13 through 15 and compare that to verses 17 and 18. Verses 13 through 15 talk about this deception that can happen to us as we are enticed away from things that are good, enticed away from godly things, as as we have some sort of desire, some sort of temptation. When it says in verse 14, each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Well, you don't go do something sinful because you think it's terrible. That's not your, unless you're a sociopath, that's not your reason for doing it. You're doing it because you think it'll be good. You're excited about that type of thing. It's, it's something that'll be, I think, fulfilling to me. That's what we think when we go into that. Not really realizing in verse 15 when it says its end is death. So there's a deception there. There's a deceit. That's something that looks good that I may be excited about. I'm actually deceived by because its end is death. So he says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. So now he's going to tell us, what the good things are. Look at verse 17. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, don't worry, we're going to break that down. But I want to start with this idea of every good and perfect gift is from above. So talking about gifts from God. I want to ask kind of, this is, it's an easy yes, no. In Sunday school answer, it's an obvious yes, But I want to ask it in a way that causes you to reflect. Do you realize that good gifts are from God? That they're from God? Again, easy Sunday school answer is, of course. Yeah, that's an easy fill in the blank. The answer is Jesus. It's an easy one. But what I want you to do right now is to reflect that all the good gifts are from God. Contrasted with the things that are sinful that seem to be good, but they're evil, they're destructive, the good gifts are from God. I've had a few times when I've been given a gift and I stuck my foot in my mouth. I, I don't know why there was a period of time where I thought it was fun to guess what the present was. I, maybe we all do that, but as you become an adult, you should stop doing that. Just uh, food for thought for you. So I had a, a time where uh, I was 
young adult, or not young adult, I guess, uh, late teenager. My, my, I had been driving for a while, but my parents, I didn't know this, were going to give me one of their cars. Really cool, I mean, awesome gift. But they did it in a way that was pretty neat, I thought. They wrapped the keys in a little box. So, of course, I have no idea what it is. But when they give it to me, I do something else that was kind of obnoxious. I shook the box, right? Well, I shouldn't do that either because it could break, but it sounded metal. And I said, what is this, keys? And my mom's face just dropped. She's like, yes. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I don't know what I'll do with keys unless they go to something. Oh, do they go to something? So then you open it and, and it gave me a car. It was a used car, things like but, but man, they gave me a car. And so I felt like a jerk in that moment. Should have learned my lesson. Didn't. <laughs> so another time when I was a youth pastor, and I just always heard that uh, people get preacher's ties. Don't give me ties, please. I, I got to be careful what I say from the pulpit. I talked about burritos. You hit me with a burrito. And now I'm talking about ties. I'm going to get a bunch of these for Christmas or something. Don't buy me ties, please. I threw away a lot of ties. I have, a, I have like a few of them that match everything. And I, I like to be simple. So but I had heard that preachers got ties a lot, and, and people would give those as gifts. And, and so I was a youth pastor, and this lady brings up a box. Now, I wish I would go back in time and say, Obi, keep your mouth closed. There's some things you shouldn't say. And so uh, she gives it to me. Again, I say, what is it, ties? And she just, again, her facial expression drops, and she goes, yes. It's like, well, once again, I'm a jerk. <laughs> sorry. sorry about that. Wish I didn't do that. And then, of course, you have to just say, I'm really sorry. Thank you, all those types of things. So I bring this up because sometimes we are ungrateful for what God has given. Sometimes we accuse him of giving us bad things instead of good gifts. Right, both of those. Sometimes we're not grateful for what he does give us. I wonder how often we sit there and reflect. Even on a holiday we have set aside called Thanksgiving coming up, I wonder how often we actually sit and reflect on all the blessings of God. Are holidays like that, or are they typically fightings and someone didn't get enough time with so-and-so and, -so and uh, someone's mad again? And, and are they that, or are they a pause for Thanksgiving? And we don't have to wait for a federally recognized holiday to say thank you to God. I don't know if we realize that, but... Every good and perfect gift is from God. Do we pause to think about that? And conversely, all the bad stuff, all the evil is not because of Him. When we want to know why there's sin and death and pain and why do bad things happen, it is because there is evil in this world and God did not put evil in this world. We sinners did and continue to perpetuate the evil in this world. But every good and perfect gift is from above. It's from God. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11 says this, Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God knows how to give good gifts. God gives good things not things that end in death. We ought to understand that contrast. We ought to reflect on that and the nature of who we should follow, our flesh or God. We ought to realize it should be God. Because all the good things, anything of joy and happiness that you've ever experienced, anything that is a blessing today, maybe even a blessing that you've taken for granted, anything at all that is good is because of God and from God. 
And we've seen in the book of James, even amongst trials, that we can have joy, maturity, wisdom, endurance, a crown of life, even though we go through trials. In Scripture, we see life, the very fact that we exist. He holds our life breath in His hands, our heartbeat. He knows the number of our days. He gives us eternal life through Christ, the greatest gift. But every blessing, every blessing physical, whether indirectly or directly, every blessing spiritually, everything good is from God and because of God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. God blesses us. Now look what he says in the rest of verse 17. So every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. It's a very interesting way that he describes God. When James is writing about God there, we have to think of why does he describe it's like a heavenly lights type of thing. Like he looked up at the night sky as he was writing this and thought of everything is from God and he looks up in the heavens and he realizes those things are God's too. They are possessed by God, owned by God. They are his too. And yet, he's distinct from them. He's different from them. As beautiful as they are, there's a significant difference. So when he says he's coming down from uh, every good and perfect gift, is coming down from the Father of lights, this idea of being a Father of lights, and why a Father of lights? The first one is he is good. First John chapter, five, uh, chapter uh, 1 verse 5 says, God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in him. So when we think about God being light in that sense, it's, it's truth, it's holiness, it's goodness, it's kindness. It's none of the things that we would associate with darkness like sin, like death. It's none of those things, like lies, like deceit. It's none of those things. Why the Father of lights? Because God is good. Also because He is creator. Psalm 136, verses 7 through 9 says this, He, talking about God, made the great lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule by day. His faithful love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night. His faithful love endures forever. I like that as it's even talking about the astronomy there, the sun, the moon, and stars. In that psalm, it it's, uh, has a sprinkling of again and again, His faithful love endures forever. Another statement of God's immutable or unchanging nature. His faithful love endures forever. But He is creator God. Even as you walk out into nature, it's His. Every good and perfect gift, everything that you've ever appreciated in goodness has been because of God. But then the third one, why these lights? Because He draws this contrast where He says, God doesn't change like shifting shadows, or some translations say there's no shadow of turning. Now I have, uh, I have on my phone, I, I enjoy looking at stars, things like that. Um, I, I, when I moved here, I thought I would see more stars. Uh, I have too many neighbors uh, close to me. I, I love them, want to reach them with the gospel, but they do block out the stars a little bit. Um, I'm okay with that. But. Well, I have the star app on my phone, and so what's interesting is, you know, if I walked out every night and I could see more stars, I, I'd be able to uh, look out, and in my mind, you'd think, well, they should just stay put, right? If, as we, we understand that we rotate, but, but why do they? To understand the changing nature of the universe that God created. 
as we think of just the earth. So I brought this out today for us to see it. You can see that it's a tilted globe, so accurate in that way. The earth relative to the sun is tilted at 23.5 degrees, and so uh, it's not, a, not perfectly upright, and that's significant uh, for us and why we have seasons and things like that. And did you know it rotates counterclockwise at around 1,000 miles per hour? So did you, did you know that right now you're speeding? You're going 1,000 miles per hour. And that is just, that is just our rotation. That's not even talking about our orbit. Our orbit, we're going right now at around 67,000 miles per hour. You didn't feel a thing, did you, right? You're just sitting there. Your hair's not even windblown at all. Well, here's what's interesting. Because we're tilted, we have our seasons. So if you just thought of the earth, and I'm going to have to make the sun the one that moves so I don't have to try to do this with the globe, but if you just thought of the earth going counterclockwise around the sun, sometimes the sun is on this side, sometimes it is on this side. Now, while it's tilted this way, it kind of looks like you'd maybe, uh, maybe get less. It feels like it's more hidden, more blocked. This side feels more open, but it's actually the opposite as far as warmth is concerned. So when I'm on this side, even though it's all wide open, that causes the light to disperse. And so since it dispersed, it's not as highly concentrated on one area. And so that's why we have winter. And then on this side, when, when the light is more directly focused on specifically talking the northern hemisphere, it is more focused. And so therefore we have summer. But it's continuing to rotate it around uh, 1,000 miles an hour. And it's continue, continuing to orbit around the sun at around 67,000 miles an hour. And so we continue to have these revolutions, and they change everything about our daily life. As we go about our daily life, I think of even uh, something as simple as being able to see at night. You ever go for uh, a jog really late at night, and, and there's just something different about that? Or, or uh, yesterday, I was after men's breakfast, I went back uh, to my office to put some things away, and, and the lights were off, and I just thought, well, I'll just go in there real quick. And it took me a second to even be able to get my key in the keyhole because there was no light. And think about that just because of the rotation of the earth, it changes everything. But then because of the orbit of the earth re relative to the sun, because of that, it changes our seasons. That at some times you can plant crops, but at other times you have to harvest them, and, and then at other times you can't do anything at all with that. That at some times you could go outside and you could be in shorts and a t-shirt, and at some times if you go outside, you better be bundled up if you want to live. Why? Because there are seasons of changing. Because there are shadows of changing. Now, it's relatively constant to our life that, that we can know to expect it, but there's still differences even as you go out and look in the night sky. And you see that during different times of year, things are different. And this is the imagery that he's using when he says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. You can plant crops in one season. You can't in another. You can play outside in one season. You can't in another. Flowers bloom in one season. They die in another. Bears are awake in one. They hibernate in another. You can count on things in one season, but not and another, because there is a shadow of turning with creation. But there is no winter with God. There is no changing. There is no shadow of turning. Unlike the sun, the moon, and the stars that cause shadows due to change and rotation and orbit and days and seasons, God is not like that. God is unchanging, immutable. 
Hebrews 13, 5, the verse we've been quoting, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I wonder if you realize the significance of that to you. Everything else changes. Why can't God? Well, he doesn't. Why does it matter? First reason it matters is because God still helps through trials. When we read a passage like James, we can know that it was true then and it is true now. I read Psalm 46.1 and it says, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil, God is still this. All those things you hear about God being your refuge, He is still those things. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares on Him because He cares about you. God still cares. There is no shadow of turning with him. There is not a change in his affection for you. He still cares. He still wants to help you through trials. The second reason is God still forgives. When we think about his nature, and I wonder if you've ever felt this way, that you just wonder, am I able to be forgiven? Could I have done something that makes me unforgivable? Through Jesus Christ, I can always be forgiven. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 says this, It says, but this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Through Jesus Christ, God still forgives. He can forgive you today. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's still true today because God is unchanging So he still helps in times of trial. Imagine if God were like a rotating planet and there were seasons where he helped me and seasons where he didn't. There were seasons where he loved me or he forgave me and seasons where he didn't. I wonder if you've ever experienced that with another person, that you go to them and sometimes they're cranky and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they love you and sometimes they're rude and disrespectful. I think all of us have experienced that and all of us have probably been that. Not with God. I can go back to God at any time, and he'll help me. I can go back to God at any time, confess my sins to him, and he will forgive me. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His immutability matters. He also still loves you. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 9 says this, But God proves his own love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, Will we be saved through him from wrath? This is one of those beautiful passages that talk about really uh, eternal security. Because as verse 8 is kind of the famous one, it's been made one of the Romans road passages to salvation where you can go to it and learn a little bit about salvation. And so this one that you learn that God loves you, he proved it by dying for you. But then verse 9 has a key almost transition. Because if you think about it, he died while you were a sinner. And then he starts off verse 9, how much more then? Like if you just heard that, he loved you so much to die while you were a sinner, how much more then now? Now that you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, how much more now? If he would do that for you then, how much more now? This is the same God. There is no shadow of turning. He has not changed. He still loves you. 
fourth one is, the fourth reason immutability is important is, God is still able. You may, uh, I think it's common in the world to see, see problems and people would almost mock and say, well, why, why does God allow this? Is, is he not capable of ending it? Well, God has a salvation plan, but he is giving people the opportunity to respond to him. But there should be no question about his ability. Hamish chapter 4 verse 13 says this, He is the one who forms the mountains, creates the wind, and reveals his thoughts to man. The one who makes the dawn out of darkness and strides on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of armies is his name. That one's not in your notes. It's Amos 4.13. Another one not in your notes. Isaiah 40 verses 28. It says, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. God is still able. We have an unchanging God who he forgives, he loves, he helps. He always has been that, and he always will be that, and he's still able. He's also still here. How many passages do you hear in Scripture him say he'll never leave you or forsake you? Or be strong and courageous, for I will be with you. He's the same faithful God. The sixth reason, he still gives gifts to his children. You may have had a terrible week, a terrible month, a terrible year, a terrible decade. There are still blessings in your life. All of those are from God. Every blessing is from him. And if you say, no, I actually have nothing, then if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the most important thing that Scripture tells us in Romans 8.18, all your sufferings won't be able to be compared to what you're going to receive. You have everything if you have Jesus. He still gives gifts to his children. But we ought to note something with his immutability. Holiness still matters to God. Holiness still matters. In addition to him not changing like a globe that spins or orbits or rotates, in addition to him not being like that with a shifting shadow, he doesn't change with the culture. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't want us to find new ways to reach the culture, but he doesn't violate his principles. He doesn't violate his holiness. He doesn't violate what is good, what is right, for what is wrong. He, he doesn't conflate the two. There is good and there is evil. And he doesn't change that. And so that's why salvation, the eighth reason why it's important he doesn't change is salvation is still only through Jesus. In fact, look at verse 18. By his own choice, talking about God, that ought to give you some solace right there, that God is choosing you. He wants to save you through Jesus. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, that word birth, when he says it there, he's doing a, a, con, a contrast again. Look at verse 15. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. There's a contrast there with the birth of the things of the world, the, the offspring of the things of the world that end only in death, versus the offspring of God. By his own choice, he gave us birth. It's a spiritual birth, a birth to eternal life. By the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits 
of his creatures. Now, of first fruits, we understand that. Uh, maybe you understand it from agriculture that uh, in Old Testament time when they uh, would, would harvest, they would give of the first fruits toward God. What he's saying is these Christians, these Jewish Christians that he's writing to, there are first fruits. If you want to see evidence of that, look around. Generations later, here are other fruits from the same word of truth that is God. In Christ Jesus, there is still salvation. As he saved people then, he saves people now through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the one point on your notes that you have for today is this. The things you really need come from the God who freely gives and never changes. I want you to hear that again. Because you may think that you need all sorts of other things. And in a trial, you may, you may be discouraged because you had, you had placed your hope and your satisfaction on something else. And maybe there's a temptation that's pulling you away from God. But the things you really need come from the God who freely gives and never changes. He is always good. He is always holy. He is always able. He is always loving. He is always sovereign. He is always wise, just, honorable, and righteous. He is always ready to forgive those who give their life to Christ. So what do you do with this? There's a person here today that this message is for you because you don't know Jesus. That if you left here today without accepting Jesus and something were to happen to you, you would spend eternity separated from him in a real place called hell, but you don't have to. Because this good and perfect gift he gives you is from his, he gave his son for your salvation. That Jesus Christ died in your place for your sins, paying the penalty of your sins. But then he didn't stay dead, he rose again. And if you put your faith, your trust in him and make him the Lord or master of your life, you can be saved. In a second, we're going to have uh, Pastor Deacon down here at these tables on the side. And I would love for you, if that's you, if this message was for you because you need Jesus Christ to come forward and talk to them and say, I need, I need to trust Jesus as my Savior. And they will lead you in how to do that. And you can leave here today a new creature, part of this, part of this offspring, the first fruits of his creatures. You can leave here today Change, transform, and save by his death, burial, and resurrection. For the Christian here today, a Christian that, that maybe you, you struggle, you're going through something, or you have a temptation, and you've had something that is in your life that is not only temporary, but we see today it's changing. It will not last. I, including a, a bad trial, that God will get us through those either in this life or through healing us completely in the next life. That the unchangeable God is still there to give help in your time of need, to give forgiveness, to give love, to give salvation, to give comfort. He is still your refuge and your stronghold. Run to Him. Let's pray.